0: Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to ariselife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I'm going to tell you um, a basic principle of the kingdom. If it's your money, it decreases over time, if it's his money, it increases. But if it's his money, he's the one who gets to decide what we do with it. You know, somebody, somebody recently said to me, they said, the tithe is an Old Testament concept because under the new covenant, it all belongs to him. Yeah. Awkward. 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 awkward, 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 right? Like, no, and it's really true. Under the old covenant, there is a tax, under the new covenant, all of my stuff belongs to you, God. Where do you want to go with it? Anybody here been owned by your stuff? You know how you can tell you're owned by your stuff? Cuz when the bills come in, you freak out. You know, I've worked in various companies, and when the bill and I would open the mail, I never once flinched when I opened a bill at somebody else's company. You tracking with me? It's not my money good luck with that if it all belongs to him then the bills are his too anybody want to work in his business just putting that out there well I just it's just I'm going to have to stop saying this but literally could we be on the same channel at all like I mean we do not plan this ever you've got to understand it cracks me up that's why you heard Masha start giggling when we're like, prepare the way. And she's like, yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. See, um, we started to do this thing this, this uh, year. Masha went to all these and got these little, um, it's this string about 25 numbered little stockings. And we put candy in each and a scripture verse. And I just went online, as you do, and found 25 verses that prophesy of Jesus. And the very first one is Isaiah 40, verse 3, which says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. Sound familiar? (laughs) And the rough ground shall become level and a rugged place is a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And we read that and we're like, you know, this is the first day of the Christmas season. And I was like, why do you think this is a Christmas verse? And Danya and Masha were both like, I have no clue. And he, blink twice if you're on the same page. You're like, I've heard it all my whole life. But I, if I'm really honest, I maybe have about this much understanding. Okay, guess what? Only those who admit they don't understand have understanding get more understanding. Anybody want understanding? Okay. Those who lack wisdom, all they've got to do is ask. But to ask, you've got to admit you don't, right? All right. So the interesting thing about this passage, and so I began to try to explain it because I'm just so super smart and all that. And uh, it's also a parallel over in Micah, Malachi chapter 3 verse 1, which is the very last book in the Bible right before Matthew. And it says this. It says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. And then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come. Good, I'm glad it's cleared. We can go home. So here's the question is, who is this? messenger who's going to prepare the way of the Lord. Who is it? Well, I'm so glad because Jesus said about, and in fact, it was prophesied that John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, would be the messenger who prepared the way for the Lord. Well, good. That clarifies things. So how did John the Baptist prepare the way of the Lord? Masha said this. We are to prepare the way of the Lord in our lives for others to have an encounter with him. So how did John the Baptist do this? Oh, good. Well, first of all, he went out and got himself a new suit made out of camel's hair. So we'll be offering those later. They have a little Arise logo and everything. Uh, It's a part of the latest merch. Um, And he also went on a very strict diet. Of honey and bugs. And who, who are my people? You're already signed up. You're like, it's a weight loss program, I promise you. I promise you, you will lose weight. Um, but anyway, so here he is, and he's just a wild man, but he does this thing. He goes out into the desert, and he begins to preach and preach. Everybody got to repent. Y'all a bunch of heathens. Y'all messed up. Y'all got to right? Good. So who are my people? You're like, I'll sign up for that right? This is what he does. He prepares the way of the Lord. Doesn't look very much like Jesus, does it? So how did he do it? It's interesting. If you flip over to Luke chapter seven, that's where we're going to pick up the story. And we actually referenced this passage a couple weeks ago. So I'll make it easy. Basically, John, because of coming out against Herod, who's not a Jew and talking to him about his marriage choices, he gets thrown in prison. Anybody here gotten off track and gotten into trouble because you got off track? Like you have a calling, but you get distracted. Am I the only one? Okay, good. Anyway, and he, gets all, he starts worrying about somebody who's not even a Jew. Anyway, starts preaching about that. Nobody's like, by the way, nobody is confused that Herod marrying his brother's wife is not a good idea. Have you ever known that? Like people are like, I'm going to tell these un- un- unbelievers how messed up they are. They are not delusional. They know. I've never met a sinner who didn't know that they was messed up. They just didn't think they could do better. Stay with me. So what happens is John's out there, but he's now in prison. That's not how he saw the story going. But in Jesus, he went to prepare the way for Jesus. But the problem is Jesus doesn't look like John. John's like, I have paid the ultimate price for you to give you a leg up in the world, Jesus boy. And you're not doing it the way I would like it done. What kind of a Messiah did John expect? A politician. Take over for Herod. Take out Herod. John's like, Jesus, don't worry. I know you don't want to do the dirty work. I'll do the dirty work for you. I'll take out Herod and you move right in. Right? Here he is. He's like, he's trying and he want, like he's been waiting for Jesus to rise up his whole life. And Jesus is rising up. It doesn't look like what he thought. And so John sent his guys to him. He said, Good to ask him what, what it meant. like what, what, are, you, are you the one to come? Who prophesied that Jesus was the Lamb of God? John. Right? Okay. Stay with me. And, he, and, and Jesus, when they asked this, they said, at that very time, Jesus cured many people who had diseases and sicknesses and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. And so he said to the messengers of John, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me. You notice he doesn't say, John, you know, the captives are released. Anyway. After John's, Mount John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd, and he said, "What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes and indulged in luxury? Or, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces? But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it's written, that Malachi three one, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. And I tell you, among those born of woman, there is no one greater than John. Wow. That's a pretty good deal, right? But the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. What's Jesus saying? See, John came because the Jews had dumbed down the demands of the law to a level they could achieve. Anybody here, God gave you a vision for your life, and so you dumbed it down to a level you could achieve? Nobody? Yeah, yeah, all the time, right? Like, and because, so it it literally says, over in Malachi 3, it says this fascinating word. It says, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come. See, God gives us a desire, right? A desire in our heart, and He gives us a desire, right? And and so He calls us to something greater. And who here gets tired of waiting and tries to make it happen in your own time frame? Literally every single person who's ever lived, right? Can we be honest about that? Right? We get tired of waiting. What happened to Sarah? What happened to Abraham? What happens over and over again, getting tired of waiting? Literally, this is what happened to Eve in the garden. You remember? She was made in whose image? She was made like God. But when the enemy came, he said, if you'll eat this, you'll become like God. Why is she confused that if he says, God says, you're like me, but the enemy says, if you eat this, you'll become like me. Why is she tricked into actually eating the fruit? What do you think? She she saw a gap between where she was and where God was. God was calling her to grow. It tells us that we are being conformed into his likeness, his image, right? We are being transformed. Is anybody glad you're moving forward, not backwards? Right? But are we there yet? No. It says we share in the divine nature. Does anybody like like got that nature on on like you're really walking in it fully? I'm looking for the glow. Right? No, none of us. She was like God, but she was not yet like God. Does that make sense? She, and so there was this gap. So she was tempted by the very promise of God. Okay, who here has been tempted by a desire God gave you? Well, why would God give me a desire if he doesn't want to fulfill it? Anybody else said that? There's a fascinating, a fascinating verse. I looked for this desire because one of the verses that came to me was, you guys ever heard one of the titles of Jesus is the desire of the nations. Yeah? And he is what the nations desire. And I was like, so I went to go look up the word desire. Do you know where the word desire first shows up? Genesis 3.17 in the curse for Eve. Where it says, he says, you'll have pain in childbirth. Whose idea was it for Eve to give birth? But before the curse, apparently there wasn't pain in childbirth. He gives a blessing and adds no sorrow to it. But he says, if you're going to do this alone, it's going to be rough. Anybody found that to be true? Anyway, but then he says, your desire will be for who? Well, the ladies are really silent. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I've never read that verse. Okay, her desire will be for who? For her husband. Ah! But he will be Lord over you. Now, a bunch of whacked out, messed up dudes are like, See, it's in the Bible. That's the curse. Jesus became a curse that we might be freed from the curse. Don't get it twisted. If you want to live under the curse, you will live under the curse. Just saying. It don't work real good. Oh, now, let me tell you how it's going to be. Don't get me started. I will get off track. Moving right along. So here it is. Her desire is for him. Why would God give her a desire for a guy who's like... The fascinating thing is that verse only occurs two more times. And the last time is Song of Songs 7 verse 10. It's the end of Song of Songs. Song of Songs throughout history has been seen as this amazing picture of the development of the bride, of us as believers in relationship with God. And this is at the end. At the beginning, she's really narcissistic. It's all about her. At the end, she says, his desire is for me. See, the God gave her a desire for her husband not so it'd be like forget you but because that's the way he always intended it for it to be reciprocated. God gave us a desire for him because it's reciprocated. He gives us a desire because he wants to fulfill it. swinging back. where's what is John preaching? he's preaching the law. Where did the law come from? you guys remember? God invited the people out of Israel, out of slavery, and he said, I want to be your God. Come up here with me on this mountain. And they said, you are scary. We just want the goods. We don't want relationship with you. And instead of 10 commandments, they got 613. Because they were like, we want, we want the thing you've promised. We want the desire you've put in for us, for the life you called us to live. But we want to do it on our own, in our own way, in our own time. And that worked out great. No? Right? It didn't. And so over and over again, you see them trying to figure out ways that they can actually fulfill the law. Right? So they couldn't fulfill the law with 613, so they made it up to 2,000 just to try to keep, a, keep from screwing up. And, and they were crying and trying and trying. Anybody known anybody self-righteous? Aren't they fun to be with? Um, and, and in fact, Jesus said to them, he said, so John is preaching. So, but they've dumbed the law down to something they can do. And in the process, they've become, they're not, they're not what God intended They've dumbed the law down to what they can do. And John is there to tell them, by the way, you're not keeping the law anyway. He came to prepare the way to re-up their desire for righteousness, for right living the way we were intended. Not to torment them. God doesn't give us desire to torment us, but Jesus says this, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will what? Be filled. Now, my friends, English people, what does be filled? What kind of verb is that? Okay, I'll I'll tell you, passive, be filled. That means you are not filled by yourself, you are filled by another. Your hunger for righteousness is not self-fulfilled, but others fulfilled, God fulfilled. So he says, hunger and don't fill yourself, and I will fill you. I give you a desire not to torment you with the desire, but actually to call you out to receive it from me in due time. Another way he says this, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and what? In due time, you will be lifted up, be lifted, passive, not me. Who here has not waited for due time and gave yourself a leg up? How did that work? Not good, right? God doesn't give us a desire to torment us, but to prepare us to receive the thing he's promised. All right, you asked for it. So what are some of the deepest desires that we have? Yeah. Be perfect. What else? That's good. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Uh, Let's see, perfect and knowing, like, knowledge, yeah, knowing all, that's good, Uh uh-huh, success, Success? to be known, known. I heard something else, purpose, Purpose. peace, Acceptance. acceptance, Love. Identity. Identity. Who am I? Um, impact. impact. Legacy. Any others or you guys don't have many desires? Connection, Connection. Uh, God's will. Okay, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get on this one. Can I tell you the number one reason why I want to know God's will 90% of the time? Can you guess? It doesn't have anything to do with God. Why do I want to know God's will? Because I don't want to fail. <laughs> it's all like, oh, Lord, I just want your will because I've tried mine and it really stinks. Right? Right? I just don't want to mess up. Right? Okay. Well, you guys haven't gone there, but I'll get there. I'll get there for you. Knowing, being known, acceptance, love, who am I, connection. All I want, deep human connection and relationship, right? That's what I want. I want, he made me for this. And one of the deepest ways he put that desire in me is, he, is it manifests in sexuality, Okay. Yeah, you're all all there because it got very quiet. (laughs) Why would God give you a desire for sexuality before you're ready to receive what it's there for? Good question, right? Nobody? Nobody thinks that's a good question to ask? Who here thought you were ready for it before you were ready for it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And how did that go for you? Not good, right? Not good. Okay. All right. Stay with me. Stay with me. This is really important because God put it, uh, Paul put it this way. Their God is their stomach. My God is my desire, right? I will meet my own need. Now, the reality is, who here found you pursued some form of sexuality and found it did not bring you love? It didn't bring you acceptance. It didn't cause you to be known or to know yourself. It didn't make connection. Anybody? Obviously, you guys haven't gotten around very much. Blink twice. Okay. that's This is here. Here's the deal. God created it for a means of which these things happen. But when I do it on my own terms, in my own way, by my own determination of what I think I want and how I think I want it, it will always end up devouring me and destroying me. I will not receive the gift from his hand. I will take it and it will destroy me. And in fact, Cain is the other place where that word desire happens. It says, it says after Cain has killed his brother, after he's killed his brother, God speaks to Cain and he says, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. Even at that moment, God's saying, Cain, turn to me and turn to me and live. God doesn't give us desire to torment us, but well then, let me ask you a question. Can we be real? Does anybody see a huge gap between what you desire and where you are? I know I'm getting really personal, so I'm trying to stay out of the weeds. Well, I'll I'll go back to this. None of us wants to be alone, do we? are all made for, somebody said it, acceptance, right? So if I want to be accepted by you, what am I going to do? Just me, not you. I'm going to do what you think I want, right? To To please perform. Now, are any of these things actually me? So what you will be accepting is what? A fake version of me. You won't be accepting me. So I'm striving for acceptance, but by my very attempt to get acceptance, I will actually deny myself being accepted. Sound of one hand clapping. How can I be accepted? Accepted. Jesus said, unless you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you can't be filled. Unless you admit you do not have, unless you admit you're bankrupt, unless you admit you do not have what is offered, unless you you belly up to the bar of hunger and choose not to dumb it down or numb yourself with lesser things, you will never be filled. It's terrifying. Who here has been so hurt by other people, you know you need relationship, but instead you went home and buried yourself in a box of Cheetos? Self-love, self-care, right? Does it work? No, because I'm made for you. I'm made for a relationship with you. I can't know who I am apart from you. Ah! and I can't know who I am apart from you but you can't tell me who I am if you can't see who I am because I'm covering it up trying to earn your acceptance. I'm faking it. God puts in us a desire for something we are fundamentally incapable of doing and this is how John prepares the way is he creates the desire that can never be fulfilled by humanity alone. I can never be fulfilled in and of myself. I cannot be fulfilled in trying to get my own. I can only be fulfilled by laying it down at the foot of the cross and saying, I can't. You alone, God, can But also, it's the same kind of death in relationship, isn't it? See, God did not give us desire to torment us, but to call us beyond where we could ever go ourselves. But what happens when we choose to take matters in our own hands? Hmm? Mess. Mess. Yes. Mess. Mess. A lot of times, big M, right? Big M, right? Mess. And many times, it's only when I stare at the mess of my life, am I ready, just like Masha led us to do, is to bring it all to the feet of Jesus. Say, I'm made a mess. I don't... You said I have this destiny. You said I was made for relationship. You said that I was made to be holy in righteousness, but all I've got is dirty rag. Oh, God. But there's a little bit of a rub in the middle. Anybody been comforted with one of the worst scriptures in the Bible? That he is not slow in keeping his promises? As some understand slowness to be. Anybody been comforted with that? And you're like, shut up. It's like, I'll say, you know, it's like Abraham. And Moshe said, do not comfort me with Abraham. That was 26 years. I do not want that, right? <laughs> right? He is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness to be. <sighs> See, the problem is, Eve in heaven right now, is she, in the afterlife, is she like God? Capital L? Still no. We will be growing in his likeness for all eternity. See, there is an absolute fulfillment of the desire I have that will never be fully satisfied in this earth. There is an absolute desire for legacy, for impact that will never be satisfied in this earth. There's an absolute desire for connection and being known that will never be known on this earth, even in my relationship with God, because we will be growing in it for all eternity. But that doesn't mean that's why Paul says we go from glory to glory. It doesn't mean because I don't, because the enemy, see, with desire, there's usually two ditches. You know I was going to get to ditches. One ditch is, it's all or nothing. And what's the other ditch? Lowered expectations, right? Like, or it's never going to happen, right? Right? But in him, we taste in part. Paul said it this way. We now know in part. We see as in a glass darkly. We know in part. We taste a little bit more. And with you, I am more known than I've ever been. But I'm not yet known as I will then be known. Uh, With you, I am more alive than I've ever been. But yet, I'm not nearly as alive as I will be. With you all, I'm more like him than I've ever been. But thank goodness we've only just started. Is that good news? We've only just begun. We must not. That's why Paul says, do not grow weary of doing good because in due season you will what? Reap a harvest. And that harvest is a harvest of hope. We've talked about this before. What is hope? Hope is the first taste, the foretaste that is a piece of the fullness that is to come. It's a promise of the fullness so that I will continue to stay in the process of transformation and not get out of line and try to take it on my own. God has put desires in you and I, but the enemy likes to flip it around and make him the one who delivers the things we want. Anybody been in that place? Where God is the one who's holding out on you and the devil's like, come on over here, baby. I'll give you what you want. Anybody? Nobody's heard that voice. Seriously, none of you all? Do you know what I'm talking about? It just take a shortcut, step out of line, take it on your own. You deserve it. Three of us, okay, good. We'll have a meeting afterwards. (laughs) We'll pray for y'all. But no, but seriously, we, every single one of us, while we're in the process, when it's going slower, when he's not slow in keeping his promises, in those processes, we feel tempted to get out of line and grab it for ourselves and it always turns out badly. But as I stay in the process, feeding myself from the hope that I have, the first fruits of what he's given. As I begin to taste the first fruits of righteousness, the first fruits of relationship, the first fruits of being known, guess what? I continue in the process and I keep going. But do you know what the problem is? The process is messy. God, I brought you my mess to get out of mess. Anybody found that relationships are messy? Everything God wants to do is in the context of, of union with each other and union with him. Anybody here tried to do the Christian life on your own? Good luck. You don't, there's no need for the fruit of the spirit in the, in the, in the, if you're all by yourself, is there? I give myself patience all the time. I'm infinitely patient with myself. No. But we're called to this messy, vulnerable life going from glory to glory, where we're vulnerable with our hungers, with our desires, but we're also not telling our desires what they are or who we are. Let me give you an example. Give you a great example. Uh, I heard this. A, uh, one, one guy was saying, um, he went to his dad and he said, you know, I think I'm gay. And his dad said, why? He said, well, because I tried it. He said, and so? And I liked it. He said, so? He said, He said, son, that doesn't mean anything. Just wait till you experience the fullness of what God has for you with your wife. Then you'll know what I'm talking about. Many of us, we think our desires that the enemy has allowed us to pervert through us taking in our own or through our brokenness or through our pain, that our desires tell us who we are. But when we lay our desires at the foot of the cross, say, I can't do this. I know I'm made to be known. I know I'm made for relationship. I know I'm made for impact. But every time I try to do it on my own, it destroys me and destroys everybody around me. Forgive me, Lord. I lay it at the foot of the cross. I am not going to lift a finger. I surrender to you, God. You in due season. Meet these needs according to your riches and glory. And I will walk in moment by moment obedience with you. But again, John prepared the way by actually fanning the flames of people's desire for who they were made to be. But only God can meet that need. So, my question for each of us is, what is the desire of your heart? If you had to be, to, put, to put words to it, don't yell it out. What is the desire of your heart? I would just dare you right now, in the presence of God, and just just hold it out to him. Say, God... If you're able, to say, God, I've tried to meet my own needs. I've tried to be my own God. I've tried to figure it out for myself, and it hasn't worked. I don't even, I I can't even say I understand what I need and what I want. I lay all of that down at the foot of the cross. You, God, are my one desire. And I surrender to you, God. I believe you gave me these desires because you want to fulfill them, not to torment me. But I trust you in due season, you will allow me to receive what you've promised. The final piece that I want to do, say is this. Every single one of us, anybody here, you, you tried to get something in your own strength, and then years later when it was brought to you, you realized why you shouldn't have had it earlier? Why, why, let me ask you this. Why, if I think I'm ready to receive what I want, why might I not be ready? Don't know what you don't know? Don't have the maturity? Don't have the maturity? Anybody here, you, you would misuse it? <clears throat> Any my, my young man, anybody got a car and misused it? <laughs> right? No, we don't know what we don't know. And part of that is that surrender, God, I don't know. I am not my own God and my stomach is not my God. You are my God. And I trust you that you desire, gave me this desire for good things to fulfill those desires. Not to torment me, and that in due season you will prepare me to receive the gift of what I desire. If we could have the worship team come up, Israel was longing for a, a Messiah who would come in might. And how did their Messiah come? A Messiah. As, as a baby. That's not what we asked for. That I looked on Amazon. I ordered Messiah, <laughs> political size. I did not order a baby. What if the very thing you desire is already in your life in baby form? What if he has already shown up? But because we're waiting for something else, we're going to miss it. If we could stand. Father, we lay down our own understanding. We lay down our own perspective. And we ask you, God, have your way in us. Be our God. Be our deliverer.
1: Jesus, thank you that you surround us, that you're holding us through this process. I feel like for so many of us, we just need... Just like Eve was tempted by that lie, that God just was not good, that Father God was not good, he was holding out on her, that he was just didn't care about what was important to her, that he didn't he just wasn't gonna fulfill it. And for me, I know that's that's where that's where it becomes real. Where I don't believe in my heart of hearts that he wants that desire that he has put in my heart more than I do. That he is invested in, fulfill, in fulfilling that desire. But I just see us. I feel like he's saying until you release that desire and lay it down at my feet. I cannot fulfill it. I know that feels like death. For so many of us, those desires are so deep and are so intimate and are so just... It feels like if we let go of that desire, if we surrender it, that we're just going to die. But I feel like Jesus is saying that in that death, in that surrender, in that letting go, is where that desire can start being fulfilled. I feel like let's just all together just repent of this lie. Just, I'm going to do it for myself and you do it for yourself and just say, Jesus, I repent for believing a lie that you are not good and that you don't have good things for me that I desire, that somehow you're just going to hold out on me and you're not going to fulfill what's so deep in my heart. I just repent for that lie, I let go of it and I just receive the truth. that when you went to the cross every desire you have placed in my heart you were dying to make a way for that desire to be fulfilled you were dying to make a way for that desire to be fulfilled that's how invested you are in my desires that's how invested you are in my desire to be connected to be loved to be known to be fulfilled, to matter, to be known, to be accepted. Ah. That's how invested you are in my every dream that you have given. I feel there, like there's an invitation. Um, I feel like if we keep carrying these dreams on our own and try to fulfill them on our own, they're gonna crush us. But there is an invitation just to release them at the foot of the cross. And just say, Jesus, I surrender this dream. I surrender this dream I have for my kids. I surrender this dream I have for my marriage. I surrender this dream I have for my ministry, for my house, for my business. Whatever that dream, It's just so deep. I feel like this altar is open. I feel like there needs to be a physical step to come and just like lay it down and just say, Jesus, I just let go right now. I let go right now. I'm not gonna carry this thing anymore because it's crushing me. I'm not gonna try to do this on my own. I'm not gonna try to fulfill this on my own. I repent, I let go. I feel like there's many of us here this morning, and we just need to let go so we can start receiving. Just start letting go right now. Just start letting go. Just say, Jesus, I trust you with this thing. It's so deep, it's so personal, it's so big, it's so, it feels so impossible.
0: Despair is the gateway of the Gospel. When we feel despair, it's a sign that our own ability is done, is dying. Embrace the despair. Lean into the cross. This is what he meant when he said, take up your cross and follow me. It's that despair in my own ability to meet my own needs, my own ability to fulfill my own desires, to fulfill my own dreams. I die. I die and my life is hidden with you, oh God. Oh God, I embrace the despair that leads to hope. The valley of Achor, the valley of destruction, is a door of hope. A door of hope. Lean into the destruction. Lean into the despair. Walk into it and lay it at the foot of the cross and say, Not my will, but yours be done. Not my way, but yours, O God. Have your way.
1: I just see people as a prophetic act just coming and lying down over here. just Just to lay down. Like lay down your whole thing, lay down your whole thing, lay down your whole thing. Just lay it down, just lay it down, lay it down, do not carry it anymore. your heart out to him just pour out your heart pour out the things that matter he is good he is good he is a good good father that what matters to you matters to him just like what matters to your kid matters to you but he is even better father than we are mothers and fathers he is so so good of us that desire has been like an idol that has to be surrendered. We haven't been able to see Jesus because that desire is just so big and it blocks everything. (sighs) Jesus we surrender. I surrender. I let go. Jesus What do you want me to know about that desire? Ask Him that question. What do you want me to know? What do you want me to know? And then ask Him, Jesus, what do you want me to do to prepare to receive? Just a small step. He surrounds us in every small step every small step. If the ministry teams can come out, we'll be here to minister. Um, But just don't leave without sharing with someone what you released and what He gave you to know and to do. I feel like it's a turning point for so many of us that that band of despair has catapulted you into hope that is it's as despair is breaking that that rope is breaking it's catapulting you into hope in Jesus name
0: like there's grace if you want to grab some paper uh, and or on your phone and start journaling what God's showing you. I really feel like Masha said this is a key moment when he's reframing your future. He's reframing your desires. You know many of us, we put all of our eggs in one basket. When this happens all the other stuff gets taken care of. God's like, I want to meet your desires and your needs in many different places. I want to reframe it. Rather than this idol, I want to meet you in so many different places. Just begin to write those things down. Capture those. Like Masha said, share them with someone. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook,
1: Twitter, or Instagram.